Hello everyone and welcome up to, now usually I let the guests go for this intro, but I got him back a week later. I never left. He never left. I've had him in my basement the whole time. And we sprayed for ants down there, so how was that for you? That was very kind of you. Thank Oh, thank you. Yeah, I'm glad I'm here for you. Did you enjoy, we have a, we have the wine down there. Did you enjoy the, our wine? Well, you know, it, it's nice to drink other things occasionally. Well... And also, how do you think I get all the spoilers out of you, sir? I guess you ply me. That's right. That's right. Just a heads up. Uh, give us some love. Go to iTunes, Stitcher, or any other platform. If we don't forget to, uh, if we don't forget, if we do forget to plug it on the show, because we are very busy people, and also we uh, are blind sometimes. Mm. Uh, but we we aren't blind to email. So email us at goodbaggeek at gmail.com and say, hey, Nick, we left a review. We would love to hear you talk about us on the show. You might have missed the Mad Lab's Theater Roulette, but for more information, go to madlab.net for all their other shows they have coming up, like Young Writers, um, which sadly I will not be a part of, but I, or are you going to try out maybe, maybe not, or did you? I'm in it. Are you in it? So yeah. Travis is in it, so you definitely want to check out Young Writers, and also it's great. It gives a lot of young writers around Central Ohio a chance to see their work come to life Yes, and professionally published. What, what, what? Well, not published, uh, I mean, well, presented, presented, performed. Well, isn't, yes. it is a way, though, kind of published, though, wouldn't you say? I mean, not officially published, I would say. Well, if but... we put out, like, an anthology of their plays, then we'd be publishing them. But at this oh, point, we haven't God. gotten to that yet. God. That would be cool, though. That would be actually pretty cool to do, like, a every five years that they yeah. do that. I'm going to talk to my friend Kyle. Uh, <laughs> uh, for links to some of our other friends, though, like Mad Lab, uh, go to gbgpodcast.com. And... Uh, Travis heard this last time, but he so he already knows it. But we are uh, sponsored by Audible. 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 What? Thirty uh, day membership, uh, free. You get a book that you start at one credit a month after the trial. Good for any book, regardless of price. If you don't like the book, you can exchange it. Simple as that. And also, it's ad free. Uh, premium audio you can listen to offline, no interruptions, and you own your books even after you quit. And here's the thing: is if you do quit, you can join and rejoin at any time. Nice. Yeah, and all you need if you don't have one is. Um, is an Amazon Prime account or Amazon account, period. Uh, go to audibletrial.com forward slash goodbaggeeky. And then last but not least, I don't have the spiel here because uh, that's how I that's how I roll here. But actually, no, I do have a spiel here. I, I, this is how extra prepared I am. I'm so <laughs> prepared that I don't know that I'm prepared. Do you have a vague remembrance of the band, the Bare Naked Ladies from the late 90s and early aughts? If you do, then you're in good company. Join friends, Evan and Saker, as they hazily stumble through every single Bare Naked Ladies song one week at a time. Mm-hmm. From the first album to their last, driving themselves insane along the way. Do you know anything about BNL? That's probably more than they do. Strapping for pet theories about vampires, retirement homes, murders, and more. Look, I'm a big fan of, of Bare Naked Ladies, and I don't know what the fuck. This is why I have to listen to the show, because I have no <laughs> fucking clue why they would go down some of those paths. Especially if they start off with, here's the thing. Do they start off with the yellow tape, or are they talking about their studio albums, like Gordon? Because if they do, yeah, the yellow tape was mm-hmm. some of the songs from Gordon, but like a demo, like an LP uh-huh. or uh-huh. EP, sorry. But yeah, uh, you can check out It's All Been Done, a Bare Naked Ladies podcast. Mm-hmm. Mm, let's see when they join the network. Um, check them out along with all our programs at iabdpresents.com and support uh, us on patreon.com, iabd. Again, not us, but us collectively, like the whole network, not mm-hmm. me. I'm working on my Patreon. I, that's the thing is I don't know what to give you guys. So actually, if you have suggestions on that, email goodbag at gmail.com. But as you heard, poor Travis has been here the whole fucking time um, and in my basement. So much wine. So much wine. Um, now, did you enjoy the white or the red? <sighs> and we, have, wow. we have a wide selection of dry and sweet down there. 
Well, I don't think it was so much, you know, which I enjoyed more. It's just that I didn't have so much to match with it. No steak, no fish. I mean, just chicken. <sighs> You're How, what the, do you match with chicken? You're one of those guys. Uh, yeah. You yeah. mean civilized? <laughs> A proper no, freaking no. human being? The first thing I think of is when you said that, is I think of 30 Rock. It's like... Jack, why are you wearing a tux? It's like, it's after four. What am I, a farmer? <laughs> like, 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 he's like, yes, you are. You are civilized. Uh, but no, we're going to talk about our, this is very spoiler heavy. So, and we're going to talk about his new project, Sugar Creek, and we're going to get more into that. But this is a very spoiler heavy episode. So if you have not heard the last episode, I would say check it out first. If you've not read Amiculous, stop and go back and listen to it anyway. But if you listen to it and you bought the book and you're like, well, what what else? More insights into that. What is this crap about? Right. And not just the names. I feel like the first episode was really about the names. The names. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Let's rephrase it. (laughs) Shecky here, me, (laughs) not understanding how to pronounce the names. Because that is a problem I have with love. There's a drinking game with how I cannot pronounce things correctly. So for God's sake, that should clue you in. That of everybody who enjoyed it immensely, the names will not be something that will go well for him. All I'm saying is I just hope the names didn't distract people enough from the story. Oh, it, just... I, it didn't me. Uh, and here's the great thing is, and this is what's great about any comic book, mm-hmm. is that uh, for me at least, I read it quickly once through, mm-hmm. and then I go back and I digest it slowly, and then I go back a third time and I digest it again. Because... Like a boa constrictor devouring goat. Yes. Or a Sarlacc pit, digesting it for over thousands of years. Boba Fett. But, this is a very spoiler-heavy episode, and then we get into some stuff about Sugar Creek, which is the next project. So you can check out Instagram, which I do suggest you do, because uh, Travis is going to have a uh, Kickstarter drop uh, late summer, early fall, 2018. And so uh, there are some things where you can join the conversation now about Sugar Creek, because he's offered some covers, different variations of what you like. You can add your thoughts to it, and Username at Travis Horseman um, or AmiculusRoom.com. And, of course, you can buy all three uh, uh, volumes of Amiculus Secret History on Amazon.com. Um, so, but here is part two of our spoiler-filled chat. Let's spoil it for the peeps. Episode 373 with Travis Horseman. Part two. is not just one person but but the brains is the i would say the brains are is yes. we are in spoiler territory we are in spoiler, yeah amiculus is actually romulus the brains he is are, yes i would say the most because uh, uh, when you watch the or when you watch when you read the book romulus is stuck in his fucking throne room right. the entire time and so so because when you're first year it's like i bet it's the, i bet it's the boy but then you're just like, as it keeps going, it's like the boy can't fucking leave the room. Right. Didn't he pee himself or something? Because like, he wasn't allowed to leave, or he was terrified, or, or is he... He or... was literally chained into his throne, actually, at one point. Yeah. And he was, I mean, he's literally just trying to make his feet reach the floor, and he can't. Like, he's Oh, like... yeah, his dad wanted him uh, to, like, he was for... Yeah. Uh, he's such a douchebag. Yeah. Um, so I was hoping... No, yeah. 
I was hoping if he was a horrible death for him like it was in the book. Um, in the book, I felt like he had a little bit more... Um, the dad had the general... Uh, Orestes. Yeah, he had a little bit more of a uh, honorable... Not, not too much, but a little bit more honorable death, which is... It's almost kind of like in, uh, in Gladiator. I'm trying to go for, A, what I know, and also a lot of other people might know, is that like when they arrest um, the, one, the one character, like they just whoo, come up yeah. to him... And you just see them led away. And I, I don't remember you actually showing him getting killed, per se. Right. I think maybe stabbed or something. Because he does try to fight for a second and he gives up. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like, that's it. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, please say. It was something like, because you assume what could happen. Right. But yeah, Amiculus uh, Mich- uh, is Romulus in terms of brains. Mm-hmm. But uh, his ser- one of the servants... The slaves. The slaves. Yeah, the slaves act as his network, basically. Which The is actual cloaked really cool. figures are his slaves moving around the city, conveying messages and subverting uh, the, the Roman troops. Yeah. They're the ones who are leading... The, the, they're the ones... They're his operatives, and they're the way he's able to... Uh, uh, the one, the one that you... As a reader, connect with most most is uh, one I think is or this is my interpretation of it. He's not super smart. Um, he's also kind of disfigured. At least I thought so, or maybe it's just how the artist drew him. Uh, or he just has a really particular face. Uh, he's one of the slaves. I thought he was still around in the monastery by the end of it. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and I always took it that he was also he wasn't. He's not deaf or dumb, but he comes. My interpretation is, is that he's very. So again, when he ends up being revealed as one of the people in the network, mm-hmm. it blew my mind because, yeah. I mean, not to say that he was, but like, which is good on you, Red Herring is, is that he's, he can't do what you want him to do. Because at one point, I think Arrestes kind of like, you know, yells at Romulus for fucking around with him. Mm-hmm. And it's like, really, no, they're probably, pl- in retrospect, they're plotting stuff probably mm-hmm. off, mm-hmm. but it, it looks like more like he's a horrible servant. And, and so it... My interpretation yeah. was, yeah. I don't um, know if he's so much dumb as extremely deferent. Okay. Deferential. Yes, yes, yes. You know, he's could say because my 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 poor brain was like, so he's deaf. <laughs> no, no, no. I know, I know. Yeah, yeah. I know. He's like, I mean, you know, they're me. I don't think he ever actually says what's on his mind until that part at the very end. You yeah, know, where he's just. His, you know, you don't even see any expression on his face until that point where he's just like seething with rage. But um, and, and oh, and also by the way, Amiculus, aka Romulus, is the head monk in the monastery. He is, yes. Um, which I wasn't expecting at first. I thought that too, mm-hmm. and then I was like, oh, I really don't know what happened to him because mm-hmm. there's just two other little things that are, uh, that are just gnawing at you as you're reading. That you're just like, I don't think that's him. Or at one point, I thought it was, you know, one of the other servants that Mm -hmm. ended up going there. Like, that's why, or he, or the servant killed him, or the servant hid him away on the way to the monastery or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so he's the key to everything. But, you know, how much can he really say? Right. That's why, yeah, I thought that was a nice look. But no, it ends up being him. And I was Mm -hmm. like, damn, I was right, but then I was wrong, and then I was wrong again and because I was right the first time it was so good which was wonderful writing on your part because I thought I had it and then nope you took a few left turns and I thought nope it's not that and it's like nope it was you were right the first time <laughs> uh, there are two there are things that when you're writing that you have to keep in mind uh, oh yeah I mean 
don't cheat your, do not cheat the reader. You yes. Know? And do sex machina. Yes. Don't do deus ex, do, yeah. No. Hey, how do you, how would you pronounce it? Deus ex machina. Deus. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, deuce. Yeah. And don't assume your reader's dumb. You yeah. Know? Uh, he don't. might not be able to pronounce the names for <laughs> shit, but no, no, yeah. I mean, there, I threw a lot of red herrings in. You did. For sure. Really good. But I mean, I figure that made it fun more than anything else. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> well, well, here's the thing. When you read any mystery, no matter, no matter if it is, you know, who killed Uatu in fucking Marvel yeah, or historical fiction, if you, if you do the clues right, mm-hmm. it's awesome. Yeah. Or, you know, in your case, the payoff was really good. Payoff might not have been, might have been more like a what the fuck moment, like in the Marvel one, but uh, that's, <laughs> that's beside the, uh, but still, they left a lot of clues in there. If any mystery leaves a lot of good clues, mm-hmm. then you are, then that's all that matters. Yeah. Because that's really what the mystery is. It's the thrill of the journey to, mm-hmm. you know, the ending. And hopefully the ending will be equally as enticing. Um, you can't always, uh, soak you know just lay in it if mm-hmm. you will you got to end the story but because again most of your adventure is in the journey so yeah. most of the adventure is in the journey yeah that makes a lot yeah. of sense Be there's i mean here's an interesting thing um if you look up what amiculous means that is a clue oh stretch for a time for a second chef taking way longer <laughs> well let me maybe i can just help you out by yeah yeah you. yeah please yeah amiculus is a diminutive and i'll explain what that means of the word amicus which is friend Whenever you put la or lus on the end of a Latin word like that, it makes it small. Like Caligula is little boots, uh, for instance. Little friend. Yeah, little friend. Amiculus literally means deer or little friend. Mm, a boy would be a little friend. Yes. Hmm. I see what you did there. Yeah. I mean, I didn't. I saw it, see it now. I didn't see it then. Mm-hmm. It was like there all the. <laughs> so there, it was there the whole time. <gasps> <laughs> uh, I mean, people are already struggling with how to pronounce it, so, you know, they're probably... Here's the thing. Amiculus to... really is the easiest thing to pronounce in that. It's yeah. just... Well, okay. When I'm watching Game of Thrones, the names aren't hard to pronounce, but I have no fucking clue who anybody is because they're just throwing names at you so fast. Right. Like, at least this one, I could just, like, just look at the page and go, uh, that's Flavor Flavor Restis. Sure. <laughs> and that is Romulus because I watch Star Trek. Yes. And yes. I know how I've had to spell that name out a few times. Uh, uh, in my wonderful fan fiction, which you can find at fanfiction.net. No, I never did. But I've read, bo- I've read books where, you know, Romulans, Romulus. I mean, yeah. it just, matter of fact, it probably could have been named off of that because mm-hmm. Romberry is a fan of, of fiction. So, or not fiction, uh, of history. So, yeah. There's some names like yeah I, I got that one I got that one so that's also the reader himself right. I don't I don't right. count for all your readers out there um, like Cat McAlpine our friend Cat yeah she would crush those names probably <laughs> I, I I feel she would crush those names so Cat if you're listening to this uh, mad props to you and I I know you've I think you've read it um, because I gave her the PDF because well you she, she was a backer well she does but she there's should. A, Anything. That was a whole thing. No, no, that was a whole thing you where, see me do that. yeah, yeah, you uh, you sent her the reward because she was a backer like me, mm-hmm. but she accidentally deleted it. 
And so I, because I think I remember, I was like, do you mind if I send this to her? And you're like, yeah, that's fine. What did she do? I was like, I think she deleted it or something like that. But I think she read it, and, and I think she did. I, I have high hopes that she would have pronounced, like, I would say 75% of those names way more correct than I ever could. Let's quiz her the next time we see her. We, don't, we will. That. And I will definitely see her Thursday night <laughs> at Theater Roulette, which this will go up the day after, hopefully. But uh, I hope someone will want to read it after this, because they'll, they'll know all the secrets. Well, no, but well, here's the thing. <laughs> if they've gotten this far, they should have already paused the episode. And they should have went back. And then yeah. they now, and now this is the deep dive. This is the deep dive portion of the yeah. podcast. Um, but okay, so the, here's why. This is why I want to do a deep dive on this though. Is that you? Okay. You told me your fascination with this kind of is from your history growing up with your father, maybe, or, or I might be twisting some of your words around a bit, but oh, well, it kind of ties into. I don't want to make this autobiographical because it really isn't. Oh, no, 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 not at all. Um, but one of the things that fascinated me the most about this was, I mean, more than the history, more than, you know, the fact that it was about ancient Rome, was the dynamic between the boy emperor and his father, you know? Right. That was, I mean, for one thing, like I said, nobody really knows why the, why the general, why Orestes did not become emperor himself but made his but put his son into the position of a puppet. Although I can I mean I actually do postulate why he did that and I have my very strong feelings too. But the thing that struck me about it was that I immediately saw I mean th- there's no way that I mean there's no way that this dynamic could be anything other than abusive. There's no way that this father-son dynamic could be anything other than abusive. Mm-hmm. And that is where the, the the gears really started turning for me about this story, you know, like yeah. this kid, this poor kid who probably never wanted to be anything other than a regular kid is forced into this position where he has no power. He has no say over his own life. He's got this nominal title of ruler of the Western Empire. And technically he should. Yes. But, but he really doesn't. He has no agency whatsoever. Mm-hmm. You know, and then when everything falls apart, uh, he's 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 t- he's tossed out, forgotten, and blamed even for mm-hmm. it. Like August, like his one of the things that people, one of the things that the contemporaries called him was they called him instead of Romulus August Romulus Augustus, he was called Mamulus Augustulus, which means the disgraceful little emperor in mm-hmm. Greek and, and Latin. But um, I mean, it's just like you know, he doesn't get any voice of his own. And to a certain degree, it's like, this should be his story. Like, not just about him, but by him. Yeah. You know? And I, that's, that's really where the genesis of that came from. And it started out as, I, I feel like I should say this too, it started out as a playwriting project that I did in college, a 10-page play that I wrote mm-hmm. about a boy dressed up as an emperor, literally chained to his throne in a throne room, unable to move not permitted to speak or say anything for fear that his enemies will come and kill him. It was a terrible play, really boring. (laughs) It was just garbage. And I didn't do anything with the idea for at least 10 years. Mm -hmm. And then when I was working on another work that just wasn't coming to me, I was writing, trying to write a, trying to write a novel and it just is not coming to me for whatever reason. I was like, well, I'm very visually inclined. I like comic books. I like graphic novels. It inspires me. Why not do this book as yeah. a graphic novel. 
To which I thought, well, I don't want to like launch into a huge thing. Why don't I take this little idea that I've been sitting on for a while and use it as a test? I'll do like a 20-page book. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, okay, this will be my test. I'll do a 20-page book with this short story that then as I was writing it became 32 pages, became 46 pages, became 72 pages. And now the omnibus that you have right now yeah. is 240 pages long. Yeah. So it kind of took over. So at what point... Now, did you have the whole script written, or did you go, like, do you have, like, the first however many pages done, and you realize, oh, this obviously will be much longer, and then, like, so did you, like, do it piecemeal? Like, like so, for example, this is no way necessarily tied, but I one time, so I did Magic Unauthorized Misadventures of Rocking Bowling Ball just as yeah. a writing exercise. I just, so my, my problem is I overwrite. Yeah. And so if you watch those episodes, it's, like, four minutes, five minutes long, Maybe seven pages of script. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm talking about like screenplay right. format. Um, so if you look at the actual thing, it's radio format, which right. is just like it's almost like a play. Line, 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 line. No stage direction. It's just mm-hmm. all lines. Mm-hmm. That is like three pages long. But I'm writing the script out and I'm typing it, and I was like, oh, I have a funny idea, and I'll it'll, it'll be like a ten page, fifteen. It'll be a one off, and then end up being like a sixty pages long. Huh. I overwrote, but then I was like, but, oh, I would like to, and so then I just started breaking it up into the smaller chunks right. and whatever. And of course I didn't have the ending done though. Uh-huh. I then had to keep writing to get to the ending. And then I had someone look at it and I reorganized some stuff around because, you know, my intro was a little bit too long for an mm-hmm. intro. Um, so I proportioned it differently. But in that scenario, is it something where you wrote a big chunk of it? You edited it, but then you're like, okay. And now after volume one, you're writing like volume two was half written and then you kept writing, like you had the treatment down, kind of like the synopsis, or were you writing as you go? Or I wrote the whole thing. Damn, I wrote, that's impressive. Man. I had I had the first draft of it done before I ever approached a, uh, a an artist about it. But I that's good though too. Yeah, but I um, I continued. Well, the thing is, I originally wanted to do it as one full book. Uh, it's hard though to do no 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 I mean it really here's the thing people don't really understand how hard it is to tell a comic book story mm-hmm. in itself within a certain amount of pages right um, and then when you get into history that makes it even way harder yeah because you have to be accurate for the time period you can't kind of fudge things like you know again this is not even that close but like I did U Team and T and I wanted to do a 23, 32 page book because that's the norm. Mm-hmm. And also I overwrite, it ended up being 40 pages, which in my brain, my, my fan nerd brain was like, oh, Kevin Eastman's was like 42. <laughs> Kevin, the original, the first issue yeah. was 42 pages. You're in good company. No, so long. <laughs> but it's still weird how much you try to condense things in, or sometimes you want to play things out differently. Right. And so then you also have to work with the artist to do that. And right. Now, did you do yours? Because every comic book script is different. Um, it really is. Yeah. Uh, like, if you talk to Brian Michael Bendis, and he, again, these are guys who work for, like, the big two, like Marvel, mm-hmm. DC, but even, like, uh, I, I'm, tr- I'm trying to think of one from Image that's not Spawn. Uh, Robert Kirkman. The script for how he does his are completely right. different, too. Do you just write your dialogue out and just do roundabout paragraphs, unless you have to be very specific for what you want? Or do you, when you gave it to the artist, did you have it like panel one, uh, sub panel, blah, 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 blah. And then you action dialogue or how do you, how did you, 
Um, I put it. I, I scripted it out pretty precisely. Um, I did the the, the screenplay version. You know, oh, okay. Page one, panel one. Page one, panel two. Page one, panel three. Uh, dialogue, dialogue. S sound effects, etc. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I my initials. My very first uh, draft was based actually off of a, a Neil Gaiman script that I found from. Uh, uh, from Sandman. Sandman. Yeah. Okay. It's the one, I mean, I, that was my very first, like, real, uh, like, glimpse of what it was like. It was the one from, uh, I, Calliope from Dream, Dream Country. Uh, yeah. I, one of the short stories. It isn't where one of them ends with him going back and being Shakespeare, like, a third time or something. Because at the time, I didn't know that was a reoccurring bit, is that he would meet Shakespeare multiple times yep. in his life. Mm. I thought it was something similar to that or... But anyway, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that was one, that was my first hint about how to do that. And uh, my Bible was The Complete Idiot's Guide to Writing a Graphic Novel. That, hey, was my, no. that was my... That's okay. It was tremendously helpful. I mean, for a guy who didn't know crap about what he was doing, it was exactly the Tinker Toy level stuff that I needed. Well, now, now here's the thing. So I got this from when I worked with Eric on, on UTMT. There were times where I was being too overtly detailed, and mm-hmm. I could tell he was getting frustrated. Yeah, as an artist, because it's like if because mm-hmm. there was one point. Now I don't know if you did this, where I would sketch. I was like, "Here's the kind of vibe I want per panel. Mm-hmm. You can draw the expressions, whatever, but this is what I'm going for. Yeah. Can you try to do this?" And he was like, and he would always be like, "Sure, of course. Mm-hmm. And you hired me, I will do it." But I could tell, like, he would every once in a while he would test the waters and do something completely uh-huh. against that. Because I think he was getting frustrated as an artist. Uh-huh. He couldn't do anything. And I remember I got the uh, How to Write or by, by Bendis. Mm-hmm. And he talks about how, you know, now granted, what we do is, granted, yours is way different than mine. But I had in my brain, if I kept doing it, I had a storyline. It would have an end point, right? Mm-hmm. Not like normal comic books. But we, people out there think of comic books, which is it's Spider-Man and Batman. There are self-contained stories out there that are really great that have nothing to do with superheroes. Mm -hmm. But one of the things he goes is that talk to your artist, and if you're drawing something where they have room to play, ask them what would they find fun to draw within context of what you're doing, out of context of what you're doing. And uh, so, like, Eric was like, if we ever get to this point, if you get to the Triceratons, I would like to draw Raphael riding a T-Rex. And I was Mm -hmm. like... That's cool. <laughs> I don't know. And then my, then, then my writer brain kicked and I was like, how can we make that work? And let him have fun. Now, Grant, this is well, far, far in the future. But in the same context, though, you are much more of like, it's harder because it's historical fiction. But are there moments like where you like said, draw me a battle? Well, it's interesting you say that. Uh, I didn't have that issue with my with my artist. Mm-hmm. Um, I got, I mean, my, my artist, Giancarlo Caracuzzo, he's actually from Rome. Really great guy, fantastic, very professional. He never, I, I never had those issues, you know. Okay, you know he was he was very he, he loved what I sent him. You know he was mm-hmm. like it's very specific. I know what you want. I can see it. You know, sure. But it's interesting about like that part about creating a scene based on what someone else wants. That didn't happen with my artist, but in the Kickstarter. Uh, one of the things that I did was, uh, and this is, this happens with, I, I'm sure other comic artists do it too, where it's like, hey, if you pledge at a certain level, you can be drawn into the story as a character. Oh, yeah. And we tried that on ours. And, yeah. no, well, we, 
I knew it was a higher thing, and I yeah. didn't know someone would do it because people really just wanted the book. Yeah. And so that's where I put all my focus on. Mm-hmm. I think it was like $300. Again, an ungodly amount right. will get you an appearance mm-hmm. in the book. And if not, Eric drew me and him in it. Right. And that's okay. And so that's what I'm saying. But, but yeah. Well, there was a, there was a woman, uh, one of our backers, who was like, well, uh, could you draw my cat into the book? <laughs> and uh, I was like, Okay. You know, and, um, <laughs> that's so awesome. I was like, "How do I, I do- remember the cat?" Though there's a there's a scene, the scene at the end of volume two. Okay, where I'm really I, trying to see this is saying I haven't read it in a while, so now I feel really like bad. there are all those dead people lying all over the ground, and there's this cat wandering through. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I cat. created that scene to include that in the book. That's I rad. Mean, that's that was rad. not in the original. That's rad as fuck. You know, but it's a it is. And it's it's a very moody scene though too. Yeah, it's it's, it's, it's very cinematic. It was a scene that's meant. If I can describe this, yeah. I mean, it's a scene, and it wasn't just gratuitous either. It's it, it. I I at least I hope it wasn't. I mean, I created it to speak to Amiculus's character because this like there are all these people who have just been murdered, lying on the ground, murdered by Orestes, and this cat is like winding its way through all of the bodies lying on the ground, and it's reaching over. It's like there's there's like blood, and it's like cats being carnivores is like the cats reaching over to like, you know, take a gnaw off of a corpse. And then all of a sudden it looks up and there's Amiculus just standing there. He hadn't been there before. He was able to get there quietly enough that the cat didn't even know he was there until the last second. Yeah. Kind of to speak to, this is what they're dealing with, you know? Yeah. So it added to the mood. I'd like to think it, it, it enhanced Amiculus's legend and his character. And it was able to include this, I mean, it was, it was, it wasn't a gratuitous scene. It wasn't just put in there. No, as a it wasn't. It, I'd like to think it supported the story ultimately. It was very cinematic though, too, yeah. which was, was, here's the thing. That's the thing too, is that for me, comic books is also a way to tell a story. Like I would love to tell this one story, like as a filmed or animation or something, but I don't know if I will ever do mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. I could do it as a comic book. Yeah. And so you can still be cinematic with a comic book within reason. Um, there are sometimes limitations and we can argue and discuss them again. Uh, this is the thing is that I am a lover of both of mm-hmm. the, the non-superhero and the superhero ones, but like Watchmen, I was fine with the ending of Watchmen without using the squid. I know a lot of people <laughs> lost their fucking minds over it. Yeah. The program that they in, in used to use Dr. Manhattan is called Project Squid. Yeah. And that to me was okay. Yeah. I mean, I also liked most of the ending with, uh... Uh, with how they did with Ra- uh, Rorschach and, and Night Owl, mm-hmm. except for the whole no, that was a little bit too right. much. Um, the, and also, I don't like the fact that Doctor Manhattan doesn't talk to Ozymandias and just was like, "Hey," or no, Ozymandias is like, "I did the right thing, mm-hmm. right?" You'll find out, and just fades off because that to me was very fitting of his character, which is like he he would really thought he was doing the right thing, and then he has that ping of, "Did I?" Because mm-hmm. I am a hero. Did I do the right thing? Mm-hmm. Ugh. And the movie didn't show that. And that was my only thing I did not like. In the no, I didn't like that. But but comic book fans are very particular about... But, yeah. But Watchmen was a very visual book. Yeah. And I think it turned out, for the most part, very, very well. So that, to me, is a good example of... Mm-hmm. It's a very cinematic scene onto the page. Yeah. Uh, because, technically, every panel is a camera angle. And matter of fact, that's one of the things that Bendis is like... Don't shy from talking at it like it's a movie because mm-hmm. 
everybody knows a movie. Right. And comic book artists or illustrators, whoever, whatever their, their genre is more based in, they might be dabbling in a comic book for you as the artist. They can, they know enough about like where to place a camera yeah. within a panel that if you say, uh, was it a splash page establishing yeah. shot, they get it. And, and that's, and that's beautiful. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, but, uh, I love, see, I love comic books. Um, there's one that someone got me to read. I want to read called Snot Girl. It's by Brian O'Malley. Yeah. Um, it's not... Apparently, when the girl, when she cries, she gr- it looks like snot. Mm-hmm. And so she doesn't... Like, she's a she's one of those Instagrammers or something like that. Yeah. But she doesn't go actually go outside into the world. It's all, like, green screen that she has because she's afraid. Mm-hmm. If she goes out, she might get emotional, and then they will make fun of her and whatever. Yeah. That's what someone pitched it to me, and I, I haven't read it because I... Kind of like Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Yeah. Um, it's it's not it's complete opposite of it. It's, there's no video game references, and if there are, it's not like where it's like Scott Pilgrim is in a video game, nothing like that. Right. But, uh, so I love, I do love other stuff outside. Of, I talk about superheroes a lot in in GBG um, mm-hmm. in real life, but but just the art of writing a comic book in itself is yeah. is huge. Yeah, I definitely employed a lot of uh, screenplay. Uh, elements. I, oh, mean, I refer yeah. to the. I, I referred to everything as a shot, and I used a lot of those medium close up establishing shot. You know, I mean, part of it is. Let's say. I mean, let's face it. I mean, I have ambitions for this thing. I would love to see it as a movie one day. Oh yeah, I know. I would like. I would pay money to see that movie <laughs> in the theater someday. So, you know, and you too can if you can buy the books, the volumes, separate volumes, right on Amazon, maybe. Yes. They are available on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nicholas' Secret History, Volumes 1 through 3. I mean, they're available through a link on my website, uh, which is amiculousrome.com. Is that what we're doing? Are we plugging? We're, we're, Should we're, I be plugging? Plug, I don't know. Please do. <laughs> hey, hey, we've not plugged. We, plug, we plugged in the intro, but we haven't plugged since then. So that was a good time to plug. Okay. Yeah. You know, it's always good to get a plug in every so often. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Well, I mean, we've been talking about the book for so long. Right. We, we should probably plug it again. Uh, does it have a Facebook page or is it everything on the website? It does have a Facebook page. Uh, yeah. It's, uh, again, that's Amiculous, a Secret History. And I'm thinking I may actually need to change that designation because what I'm writing right now isn't just about Amiculous anymore. I've started a new project. I wanted to kind of talk to you about that because it's a horror comic. It is a horror comic, yeah. But but it looks like it takes place in like New England. Nope. Where does it take place at? Because in Ohio. What? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Tell me more. Tell you more. Yeah. Well, you showed up. What looks like one of the covers. I hope nobody nodded off when I said Ohio. No. But... Fuck. <laughs> Fuck you if you did. God damn it. We're a motherfucking swing state. We're important. I mean. We didn't swing we are the swingingest state. We didn't swing correctly this last go around, but um, there's hope for tomorrow. Uh, and yeah, we are Columbus. At least is the swingiest part of the state um, in a good way. Sorry, I just realized after I said that. Is it a bad way? Yeah. <laughs> Trump. Uh, we've already established that this is not. Li- we've already established that this is a you know a very adult program. That is, that is true. And if you're listening to this point, and you, you should you should know that if you probably didn't vote for Trump anyway if you're listening to this. At least I hope not. And if, if you are, it's okay. So uh, this is actually a story that I... A friend of mine and I, who is also the graphic desi- one of the graphic designers for Miculus, uh, he's a filmmaker, we came up with a concept for this book. It's called uh, Sugar Creek. 
Okay. And it's set in, it's my, kind of, I refer to it kind of as my Ohio project. It's set in Ohio. It deals with Ohio history. Everyone involved in it is from Ohio as opposed to, you know, like Rome in this case or someplace else in the world. And um, it's set, it, it goes by the idea, like the horror portion of it is, it goes by the theory that if a place is subjected to repeated perpetual excessive violence over a period of time, does it not only, does it not only warp that place, but also make it hungry for violence and blood? Now, are you talking on a supernatural level? I'm talking on a very supernatural level, yes. Mm. And the idea is that this place, this, uh, this, it's set in this fictional town of Sugar Creek, Mm. uh, which, uh, is set in Western Ohio, close to the Indiana border. And is it near Erie, Indiana? I'm no, sorry. Near. I'm sorry. It no. was a bad 90s reference I had to make it. Which is weird because Erie doesn't come anywhere close to Indiana. Like, their lake is Lake Michigan if they get into Oh, is it? Yeah. Um, but, um... Sorry. Yeah! <laughs> no, uh, it's this town that's just about to celebrate its 200th anniversary. It's a tiny little village that uh, is sitting on top of one of these places. A place that over not just years, not just decades, not just centuries, but millennia has been subjected to just an unspeakable amount of violence. It just like it almost sort of draws it in like a black hole. After so a certain so then the question is, when does the supernatural element start kicking in versus... Yes. Like, at least I, I would be fascinated by that. Um, I'm not sure if that's where you're going to go with it eventually. You know what I mean? Cause right. Like, like if there's like every five years some horrible massacre happens, at what point is the massacre spawn the supernatural element to start feeding off the negative right. energy there and then thus perpetuating it further versus just yes. like, no, those were just 15 unlucky years and then it was fine after that. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like at what point where is it? supernaturally motivated versus yeah. a genuine accident kind of thing, I guess is really the, well, I'm at least that, that would be my fascination with, with, with it, but I haven't read any of it. I don't know your, I mean, you're telling me some of the framing of mm-hmm. it, but I don't, you know what I mean? Right. So, uh, but I'm, I mean, well, was, if you follow you on Instagram, uh, right. What's their Instagram handle? Uh, well, it's, is it a I private probably, account? I should probably get a professional one, but it's just Travis Horseman. Okay. It's my own personal one. I should probably separate all of but that you, out into another one. But you've, but you've posted stuff from Amicus on there. Yes, you still I have. Occasionally, still post Amicus stuff on there. But mm-hmm. mostly, you've been posting uh, your update on the cover and some other artwork. Like, the yes. one with the trees is, yes. like, the, the most recent one was really good. Which is, one was, I think, colored normally. Mm-hmm. Like, if you were just a normal cover. Not too creepy. Yeah. It's, it's, it, you know. Um, and then the other one, it was just too dark. And the other one was like, oh, God. It looks like the haunted forest from Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. <laughs> like, you know, the, when the one moment where it was really kind of scary. Yeah. Um, where beautiful lighting, red light lighting, too, if I remember correctly. On There's the a red cover and a black cover. There's Oh, is that people, how People seem to like, I mean, I had them colored different ways to mm-hmm. accentuate different parts. I mean, it's interesting because people, it seems people are, are sort of split on which one they like best. Interesting. Yeah. I, I really was drawn to the red one because it yeah. accented the trees more and it looked, it looked like terrifying. The, alarming. It looked, yeah. yeah, it looked alarming. 
And it looked like they were going into the mouth of a beast. Yeah. Um, which was the trees. That's the, uh, yeah. Uh, and, the, and the black one, it didn't really, it looked like they're walking into darkness, which is creepy in itself mm-hmm. to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, I mean, you can kind of see the trees. But again, that's, that's that, but here's yeah. the thing. That's me. Uh, and I, I beat to my own drum, too. Right. So, but, uh, no, it right. looks really good. You also post, I think, like, one or two, like, like panels or something, I think, mm-hmm. too. There's, uh, yeah, and the, the, the Ohio history part of this is, this originally started out as being, like, the crux of the, uh, of the supernatural issue, but then it only just became, like, a part of it. I mean, mm-hmm. a part of a much bigger thing. Oh, um, cool. It's, it's interesting because there are parts of history that once you delve into, you realize just, you don't realize things about a place, you know, that a place like when you go back far enough and like some really crazy things happen. Like, Oh yeah. For one thing, uh, Ohio is the site of the worst, uh, defeat of the American army at the hands of an, in, of a native American force, not little bighorn, not any of those others. It was called, um, uh, battle of the Wabash or St. Clair's defeat. Mm-hmm. The Indians in that one, the, uh, the the American army was sent a force of like fifteen hundred men, and like I said, they this was a huge force back in the day. Oh yeah, fifteen hundred men against a an Indian confederation. In order to this has been a there was an Indian war going on in Ohio in the seventeen eighties and nineties that had been going on for years and was not letting up. I mean, just horrible atrocities on both sides like slaughters and burning of it, just, just like full on just guerrilla warfare. And, uh, Washington sent this army to, to, uh, take them out once and for all. And the army was completely uh, taken by surprise and routed. The was Native- it guerrilla warfare on behalf of the Native Americans? Like exactly- it was, yes. Which is fascinating because a lot of people don't consider guerrilla warfare to officially be created until... 100, 200 years later. It may not have had a name, but, you know, it's... Well, like no, right. Asymmetrical warfare. Right. Well, I remember that was the big thing in the movie The Patriot, is that, like, yeah. that one guy that Mel Gibson played is using mm-hmm. real warfare techniques, which he learned from Native Americans, mm-hmm. but it's just like... But uh, Native Americans always were somewhat honorable with their battles, or at least that's from some of my history that I read. It could also be very colored differently. I'm not reading all of it, because every... Each tribe is also different mm-hmm. with how their honor system is based, too. So there's that. Well, I think in this case, they were just perfectly happy to win. <laughs> do what they had to do to win. Well, no, and well, yeah, that's, I mean, that's the, always the... In, in this particular battle, uh, the Battle of the Wabash, also known as... St. Clair's. And the Battle of a Thousand Slain. There's a reason why it was called the Battle of a Thousand Slain. is because the Native Americans wiped out two-thirds of this army, nearly a thousand men... Which, at the time, also took out one quarter of the standing American army. Think about that. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, it was a small army, but one quarter. No, no wait a minute. So, what year was it? 17... 1791. Oh, gee, so we would just become a nation. Yep. So, but, I mean, luckily, and, oh, yeah, we weren't in the uh, French-American War. That was during Adams, wasn't it? Uh, you mean the, the Napoleonic Wars? Was it the Napoleonic Wars? I thought there was something called the French-Indian War. Yeah, that was... The French-American War, which was... The French and Indian War was well before... Oh, was it? Yeah, that was before the Revolution. Okay. That's cool. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, you are reading this stuff way more than but, I am, sir, for your research, so I am going but to... But the interesting thing is, 
is that Ohio, actually, when I read up on this, like, there were, <laughs> Ohio's been a battleground for at least 300 years, if not longer, uh, even before that. Yeah, I mean, the, the natives, like the mound-building Indians in Ohio, yeah. uh, they believed that they were actually, when the, uh, the Iroquois came through, they believed that they wiped them out in order to create hunting grounds, basically. I mean, this was part of a thing called the Beaver Wars. Don't, don't yeah, be careful. But um, it, there was a wars between the Huron and the Iroquois, and the Iroquois won, and they ended up exterminating vast numbers of indigenous people and driving them out. See, you mentioned it, and now I just want to make a joke about it. Well, you can't. I, guess I, was, you can't I, was, not, I was going right? to let it go, and now I was, just, I was like, a lesser man would not make a joke. But I am not that man. Vaginas! Woo! Vagina Wars! Yeah, sorry. The Avengers of Vagina Wars. Oh, Jesus. I'm sorry, that was bad. Um, well, again, that's why I... Yeah. No, no. Uh, don't they talk about that in that show, uh, Frontier or whatever? It's like the Beaver Wars or something? I don't know. With uh, the guy... Uh, it's on Netflix. It's the dude who plays Aquaman. He was in Game of Thrones. Oh, Draco. Jason Momoa. Jason Momoa, yeah. yeah. I thought that, it was something, I thought it was taking place around that time period where it's about, I thought it was about that. I could very much be wrong. Here's the thing, I haven't seen it. I just saw trailers for it. People said it was okay. Mm. So, um, no, well, I would say, I love historical yeah. fiction. It's really, I, I love it. Well, the, that's the thing about the Indians, too, is that they, and granted, they wanted to win, well, they needed to win, mm-hmm. too, because mm-hmm. it's the, we, we're jerks, um, and we, we did. We, we, we took them off the their their land um, mm-hmm. changed their complete how how they lived their lives so sorry I don't know, I really have nowhere to go with that except for that's depressing um, so yeah of course their um, motivation is to just win mm-hmm. um, so anyway I mean sorry yeah. that's okay I just but uh, you know there's this in this town called Sugar Creek there's this legend that 20 years before the town was founded uh, some Indi- uh, a a cadre of Indians were chasing. Uh, these American soldiers, and they engaged with them at the headwaters of this creek, and, well, they quite literally ripped each other apart, and their bodies were never found. And this is the big thing, this is the big legend that surrounds this place that makes everyone afraid of this particular place, you know? And, uh, but that's only the tip of the iceberg, that's the thing. All right, so now, from what you've said earlier, do you have all of this written? When did you write this one? (laughs) <laughs> well, this is a shorter story to begin with. I okay. actually managed to squeeze this one into just 32 pages. Oh. Yeah, this is... Oh, this yeah, is, yeah. yeah, for now. No, no, no. It, it, this will... I'm. It's very hard for me to write short stories, but I actually did succeed in squeezing this into just 32. Uh, right now, uh, I'm working with my new artist, who's a guy named Brent Bowman. He's a local Ohio artist. Cool. Uh, here in Columbus, he's fantastic, and one of the things that attracted me to him is because he was already drawing a lot of stuff in this historical period. I mean, he's just really good. He also wrote, he also did a book with uh, another really great uh, writer, uh, Dara Naragi, called um, very familiar. Called Persia Blues. Yes. Yes. I've not read it, but I know of the book. Yeah, yeah it, it won a bunch of awards. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, into two volumes, Persia Blues, uh, and the third one, I don't know when it's coming out. You should check it out. NBM distributes it. Okay. Yeah, so this is going to be a short story, like a one-issue floppy uh, floppy story, 
Uh, well, not a floppy story, hopefully. I mean, I hope it doesn't flop, is what I'm saying, but, you know. Oh, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's an individual issue kind yeah. of thing that could be more... Yeah. It, so it could turn into... And this is, I don't like this show, so it's a bad example, but it's mm-hmm. an anthology series. could be an anthology yeah. series, possibly. With some, would, would it maybe tie in kind of like a Mikulis, where there's a, a present thing investigating what's going on, and then the rest of it, is the, that's the anthology portion, or... Maybe, maybe not. Well, I could see it becoming part of an anthology with other unrelated stories, but okay. I think this would be just a one-off story. Okay, well, yeah. Although, uh, it started out, I mean, it's interesting to note that it did start out as a script for a short film, and I'm everything starts a, out as something else. I'm sensing a pattern with you on this one. Everything yeah. starts out with so, as something else, Yeah. but um, we want to go back to that, too. I mean, the the comic book version my friend and I thought might be a good way to promote it and maybe fund a, a movie a uh, short no, film version yeah <sighs> at some point I had an idea I don't want because I'm it's the one thing I, I just need to find the way to frame it right because I know it worked in a comic book but if I did it I want to I want to write all of it and not just write as I go yeah because I would like to crowdfund it too but it started off with a screenplay idea that I wrote, and it, had, it barely resembles anything near the original. It's almost just more, it's the group, the lead group of characters, mm-hmm. and the name that they call themselves. Yeah. And, and I'll still save that for myself. I'll tell you, we're not recording. But, well, the internet, I don't trust them. I, I don't trust, I love you, but I don't trust you people. And as well, I shouldn't, because it's my idea, and I want to protect it, mold mm-hmm. it like a little baby bird. Fun, can I just say, one of my favorite moments, and also most aggravating moments, we watched our, one of our friends, our, not one of our friends, all of our friends, do a, one of the feature roulette nights the other night, mm-hmm. and that you gave the most glorious side eye to the horrible people that sat in front of me and to the right of you. Oh my. I wanted to murder them, and I yeah. never felt, I have not felt that way in any type of theater since Winter Soldier. <laughs> and I shut that shit down. I, I mean, I was pissed with Winter Soldier. We, it was Jimmy and his wife and I. Mm-hmm. I've already seen it once. So I already knew what was happening, but he hadn't. And like he was like, oh, that light's really bright. And someone had their phone out. Mm-hmm. And so I just, we were in the top lane. We were at Easton, so, which is nice. You can sneak around and go yeah. to the elevator. And I got him kicked out. Oh, nice. Because fuck that. <laughs> well, they came in and they were still whatever. And it's like uh, someone uh, is complaining that the, the light's too bright in your row is how the guy I heard him say, which was nice. Because they looked over and there was like five people there. And they were like, do you have a problem with me? They're doing all that. And uh, when they did it one more time, I complained again. They got escorted out. Uh Thing is, I think they were given like another ticket to see the movie later, which that fucking does nothing. Yeah. Anyway... But I hadn't had a, that was like how many years ago? Hadn't had a problem since then in any theater really anywhere. And then we're watching through that and there are these two women and I don't know if they, they, I don't know. First off. Hopefully they don't listen to the podcast. Oh, they don't listen to this podcast. Uh, you know what, ladies, you were, you were marvelous. Marvelously horrible. Seriously. Your, your, <laughs> your demeanor, like first off, they were talking nonstop. They were. Which was aggravating. It was. Then they were making cracks during, like, the second one was with our friend Kat, mm-hmm. and they acted the shit out of it. Like, I think they were, they're not very progressive people. I think mm-hmm. it was part of it. They were laughing at, because it's two women, about their relationship. Mm-hmm. And I think they were laughing at that. And that's what was, so that was making me mad. Then they had their phones out. One of them, I don't even know what they were ordering. They were ordering Donato's Pizza. 
And I was just like, and my wife, so my friend, my very good friend, Nathan is in the very first one. And she's just like, I don't think I paid attention to half of that. And it's not because yeah. Nathan or Andy. It, yeah. It was very aggravating. But they at that point, very poor they, were, they were, but I just remember at one point I just, I just looked down and you were just glaring at them. And I was like, that is some glorious side outside. I wish they'd seen it. I well, <laughs> don't I wish they could hear us kind of mumbling to ourselves. I wish they could have seen you. Oh well. Yeah, well. Yeah, I it's yeah. Mm. Uh Ventures in Theater. But yeah, I'm sorry, that was a weird little aside, but I just I really I didn't get a chance to tell you that when Things I saw go you weird. Night. Things go weird. Actually this whole episode we'll call it Travis Horseman. Things go weird. Yes. That's the subtitle. <laughs> um So do you have another thing you're working on after Sugar Creek? I always have shit that I'm working on. Yeah. <laughs> I never stop. I got lots of ideas, you know, and they're all in various stages of development. Yeah. I'm actually kind of shocked that I've actually managed to actually do something well, after. I mean, I remember when you finished the books, you're just like, once shipping's done, I'm going to take a break for a bit. I did. Did but So so you did take the break. So you wrote, the, how, how long did it take you to write Sugar Creek? Uh, well, I actually started writing... Well, this is the thing. I take a really long time to write everything, no matter how short it is. I mean, I actually started working on that in 2013. Um, oh, geez. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and basically, like I said, I at that point I was writing it as a script, as a, as a, as a screenplay. Film, yeah. As a screenplay. And I only just... I mean, I, I, I was like five drafts into that by the time I decided to adapt it for a, graphic, for a comic book. And it was practically already done. And basically it just took one night where I stayed up literally all night uh, and just banged it out. And I had a script. Now, in the omnibus for Amiculous, you did say, you did kind of talk about how it was, I thought you did, how it was based on a play. Yep. Um, and in and, and the appendices, I think. Yes. Uh, but you didn't post it. Would you post it? The 10-page play? I mean, look, and here's the thing. I get it. <laughs> It's nowhere near being whatever, but what do you even think about retouching it up as a standalone and then going, look, this is nothing near what it is. I tried to make it better than it was in context of years of in, later of insight, but this is what spawned Amiculous. Kind of as like a little one-off out there. So like if you do the book uh, a second time for everybody and not just mm-hmm. backers, mm-hmm. Um, it's something extra that... I don't have that I would be like, oh, I want to buy that one again too. You mean the 10 page yeah, play? Yeah. I don't think anyone would want to buy the 10 page play. <laughs> I think the 10 page Well, play well, is... I think, I think they'd want to buy the rest of the story, of course, <laughs> as well. But I, I'm just saying that's a fascinating, or just even like maybe like a page or two of it. I'm just saying that's a suggestion for you um, when you put it, put it together for one more go. Um, for everybody else, I'm just saying. Maybe no, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to. I'm, I'm happy to stuff as much um, you know, filler as I can in there. You know, in order to. I, I'm just saying. Well, <laughs> I, I think it's fascinating though. Is like just putting it in there so you can just like that. That is this. Yeah. And this is like the very bare bones of just an idea, kernel of an idea. What then became what you just read. Yeah. I'm just saying that would be fascinating to me. But here's the thing. I also get to it's like. Oh, no one wants to read that. But it's just like, but they, they, but they do because it shows your work as an artist. Yeah, you know your craft as a writer, and like how one thing that doesn't work in the format that it necessarily is in, a can be reused. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a lot of things people don't realize is that 
it's okay to kill your babies, but you should probably also maybe... We're on to infanticide now, by the way. Yeah. You're welcome. Things go weird. Uh, but, but also, maybe you just take them to another room for a bit before you have to murder them. Mm. A.K.A. they could be a, a very... They could be a, a full-functioning member of, of the artistic society... Or maybe sometimes they could turn to Hitler and need to kill him. What I'm saying is sometimes ideas work, but just not in the context you're thinking of them in. Um, and other right. times uh, they end up not working at all. Mm-hmm. Or maybe, it, and I'm not just saying the context of like, it's a play versus a comic book. That's right. not at all what I mean. Like, that one scene doesn't, like, is the character, is Amicus even in the short play? No. Well, that's exactly. That yeah. one little bit of scene is what, happens with Romulus and, and there. I'm not sure where, actually, I decided, okay, I need to make this transition to, I need this, I don't know where the character actually, ca- I can't remember the exact point where that character where just, like, came into that, where it was like, I just knew that I needed someone on the outside to do all of this that wasn't him, you know? Well, right, but, but the thing that's great is that with that 10-page play, you didn't just completely discard the idea. Some of that's in... Mm-hmm. Amiculous, mm-hmm. and it's kind of terrifying. I mean, it, it's it's wonderful part, one of the many little scenes that make up the greater narrative. Mm-hmm. And so that's a good example of you don't always want to kill your yeah. your darlings in the way that you think, right? Which is you killed the darling as in the, the format that it was in, in the mm-hmm. context it was in, as a short play, right? But then you also still saved it and moved it to something else and mm-hmm. made it work and made made it better. And it fit within the narrative. Yeah. And so that's the great thing. So the same thing with the... There could be something that you thought of putting in the book of Sugar Creek that you could use that maybe you're like, yeah, I cut it out. But you can yeah. use it into something else, which then can go... You know what I mean? It, yeah. It's a never-ending beast. You don't always have to... Oh, that doesn't work. And then if you just discard it and never think of it again. Well, I mean, I, the interesting thing is, like I said, the, the initial concept for... Uh, Sugar Creek was something very small. It was something that uh, my friend Will, Will Graver, mm-hmm. uh, he said, I want to do a film that starts, I mean, it's just, I've got this image of these two uh, police officers. You know, they're driving down this really long lane, like this road, having a conversation. They're heading towards something that they don't may or may not know what they're getting into. And there's something at the end of this lane that is some big humongous thing that's going to happen that is completely different from anything that they've ever expected and they're not ready for. And then when they get there, it's going to, you know, it it was that simple, you know? Yeah. And from, and, and I was like, huh. And I, you know, I sort of took that and I sort of like keyed into like, what could that be? How can I bring in some of the things? And you know, I just, but but as I said, you don't have to go because obviously this would be spoiled, but did what? Did he have an idea? Have some ideas that he gave you with what it could be? Could have been? He did. I mean, I think we both thought that it was going to be like some kind of crisis, some thriller kind of uh, kind of thing. I mean, it, the idea came because uh, it came from his 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 parents' property. Mm-hmm. Uh, to get to his parents' property, you have to go down this really really long road with a creek running along it. You know. Okay. Uh, and um, so it's good for. So if you shoot it, you already have your 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 property. Precisely. So, yeah. Well, especially if you're you're low budget. You yeah. Know, no, we're not. AK, we're not a studio picture. Yeah. You have to think of what mm-hmm. you have, how you can use it, the people available for you, not just acting, mm-hmm. but also behind the camera, and which includes properties. So right. that's a valid. 
And it was, it was an idea that it was something that he just had this very strong image about this, that he wanted to shoot something using that, but he hadn't really put the whole thing together. And I just, we both really wanted to work on something together. I met him actually, I was an actor in a film that he did a zombie film actually, uh, back. What? Yeah. I, I've never heard this. I've never heard you talk about this. <laughs> well, that's how we met, is that okay. he, he shot this uh, this zombie film uh, called Revelation okay. uh, back in 2009. And interestingly enough, if it had been this day, if it had been now, I would, might have had some pause, but he advertised on Craigslist for, uh, for actors. Oh, the good old days. The good old days when you weren't just simply murdered when you went to Craigslist. But... Um, <laughs> You know, I ended up working with a bunch of actors that I already knew, and we shot it on site. We shot it on the campus at Wright State, and it was oh, a 24 yeah. page script that we shot in 48 hours. We shot it in two days, the whole thing. And I think in ten, I was immensely impressed by his level of show running and his ability to just, his organization, everything. He had it down, you know? And I like to point out, Travis is a wonderful actor, but, I mean, you did this for a living for a bit, didn't you? I did, yeah. Right, so, I mean, you're no-nonsense. <laughs> I mean, you know how to have fun, too, because that's right. it's part of the fun of acting, but at the same time, you're no-nonsense kind of guy. You you would like the same kind of level that you would mm-hmm. give into a project. So that, that I think that's very high praise for you to say that about him. Well, we're really good friends now, I think. A lot of, we saw projects the same way. We have a right. lot of the same interests. We have the same, you know, we're very serious-minded about our, our passion projects. Yeah. And uh, we wanted to work together on a project at some point. Uh, and this was an idea that he came up with. Uh, this was an idea that he provided the concept for. And I, you know, fleshed story and yeah. bones and things onto and, um, you know, it became, I mean, it went through several drafts because, you know, like, like you do. Yeah. Uh, but it looks like it's been a very long time. Uh, it probably, I kind of wish we'd gotten to this a little earlier. Uh, but this looks like this could be the one, you know, where if we do the, the graphic novel and we can use that, the graphic novel, the script, the, whatever you want to call it, uh, book. comic book. We, I mean, we want to kickstart that separately and then use that as a potential promotion to... And it's also a great backer crowd, reward. Exactly. To crowdfund yeah. film. Yeah. Uh, that's awesome. Did, at any point, did he have a treatment that he gave you that he worked on that, and then he was just like, I couldn't go further with this? Like, he had written out, or was it just a verbal thing? It was a verbal. Yeah, I mean, no, that's was, cool. Well, yeah. I was going to say, I was trying to help you. I was like, if you have that, that's also a good backer reward. <laughs> it should be a higher tier, because, you know, you don't want to give too many of those out. But yeah, I'm just saying, yeah. It's all about how what can you give to the backer that no one else would have kind of right, thing that right. enhances mm-hmm. or adds insight to your creative process into the story. Which, but but yeah, we have we have been talking for a very long time. Oh my yes, yes. So uh, we are going to wrap it up. So for the fourth time, because I'm sure we plugged it mm-hmm. twice in the intro, right? Uh, where can we go? It's amiculusrome.com. Yes, uh, amiculus a secret history can be found. Link you can you can link to it through amiculusrome.com, which is my website. It's on Amazon, all three volumes. And uh, the I just want to also say that the Kickstarter for Sugar Creek will be coming uh, at an un at an undisclosed time at this point, but we're looking at late summer, early fall, probably okay. August, September. 
crowdfunder there through Kickstarter. Well, you can come back on, and uh, even if it's for a movie, you can plug the shit out of it. Because I'm in- intrigued by it. So, Travis, thank you very much for being here. And also, you can check Travis out on Instagram at Travis Horseman. One word? Yes. And uh, is your Twitter handle the same? Or no, you don't have Twitter. I, I have Twitter, I think yes. You have tw- Here's the thing. I follow everybody on everything, and some they start blurring together for yeah. me. I kind of wish I didn't have Twitter, but I have Twitter, yes. Yeah. I, <laughs> sometimes, though, that's how I say... I, I mean, I have a, a, a thing with the uh, Washington Post, but mm-hmm. I get other news through Twitter sometimes before I read it on the post. So it, yeah. it has its pros and cons. Um, but yeah, so, so especially follow him on Instagram, follow you on Instagram because mm-hmm. you have, you post artwork, uh, a lot, uh, and just different yes. variations of things. And sometimes you offer, cause I think one of them was like, what do you guys think about this one versus this one? Right. So you get to be a part of the process yes. too, which is fun. And that's even before we even get to the Kickstarter people. Now, are you guys going to stick with Kickstarter? Or are you guys going to do any go-go? Definitely Kickstarter. I prefer it. Here's the thing. If you're going to do a fan project, you go to Indiegogo. If you're not doing a fan project, you go to Kickstarter. Because <laughs> uh, I did I did Utimatia on uh, Indiegogo because no one pays attention to Indiegogo. I mean, you lovely fans out there paid enough attention to it that we got it, we got it through. But yeah, you can't do it on Kickstarter. Yeah, that's where real projects go. They go to Kickstarter. So uh, pay attention. On this podcast, we'll have word on it. You can follow them on Twitter or Instagram and, or go to amicusrome.com. Travis, thank you very much, sir. Thank you. Yeah. Get out of here without cheese! You're a creep! Go away! We're having a good time until you start up, cheapers! Go have some coffee with cream or something! Because I'll tell you something! This is a happy place!